Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they are all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Joining us on today's episode is Dr. Matt Hillman, Superintendent of Northfield Public Schools in Southeastern Minnesota. Matt served in the Northfield District for seven years before becoming superintendent in July of 2016. Prior to coming to Northville, he also served as Principal, Director of Technology, and began his career in education as a teacher. I watched Matt present at one of our conferences. After his session, I made my way to KKO and our Cedar Education coach that works with Northville. I said to KK, Matt is terrific, and he's going to be a model superintendent for other leaders to follow. So I am so excited to have Matt on our show today. Welcome, Matt, to our show today. It's just so, so great to have you with us. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. So let's start, Matt. It seems like we'll never enter, you know, in this reentry process, but um, I know that your school district's been working on plans with three scenarios for returning to school this fall, and so you can talk a little bit about what those scenarios are, are and what problems, you know, your team's trying to solve for, Matt, and I know you, you're a great problem solver, so I, I know we can learn a lot from you. Well, Janet, it helps when you have good people on your uh, team, and we have a really great team here in Northfield, everybody pitching together to do everything that we are able uh, to try to reopen as safely as practicable, should that be what our governor decides. And Minnesota, uh, Governor Walls has said that he will let school districts know which of the three scenarios we will start with uh, by sometime during the week of July 27th. So we've busily been preparing for three scenarios the first of which would be in-person and under the guidance from our state departments of education and health, that option would not require strict social distancing. It would be social distancing as feasible. And really that's an intent to return all students to school, all students who want to come to school. Uh, The second option is a hybrid scenario in which you would be able to have up to 50% capacity of the fire marshal's occupancy limit for your school. And so that is the most complex of the three that we are trying to look at. That's an area where school districts in Minnesota have some greater flexibility, depending on the size of your district. Uh, We know that there are some districts that are trying to be able to bring in, for example, their elementary students every day. Uh, Other districts are looking at uh, bringing part of the student body in on two days a week and a different part of the student body in uh, two other days a week and conducting distance learning uh, the remainder of the time. Also looking at, could we bring in all special education students, especially those who really need more frequent services and English learners as well. Uh, so we're still actually figuring out that scenario and what it would mm. look like here in Northfield uh, because we're looking at bus capacity, we're looking at the capacity of our buildings and really trying to prioritize who needs to be here uh, most often. We have a loud and clear from a lot of our parents really thinking it's important that their children get back to school from a social perspective. The third option is the distance learning option, which would be similar, though improved, because of course we are unequivocally dedicated to continuous (laughs) improvement. And so we would have uh, the 2020-21 version of distance learning. 
the department has told us we need to be able to use two, if not three of those options during the year. They anticipate we'll have to shift in and out of them. And they've told us that we'll have that we may have to shift with very limited notice. We have also added a fourth scenario in some of our early polling of parents. We have quite a few who aren't comfortable sending their children back at all, um, regardless of what the governor decides. So we are working on adding an online only option uh, where parents could choose that. We're asking them to potentially commit to a semester at a time with that. But we're also going down that line of using an online curriculum library, if you will, and then our teachers facilitating that uh, with students. So Matt, have you, um, so I just, I assume that you've just been spending just most of your summer, you know, really planning for those scenarios and, you know, building your teams to, to deploy to that. Is that, has that been kind of your summer with your teams, Matt? Absolutely. We started our, we have three work groups, uh, one work group that is solely working on instructional design, one group that is solely working on health and virus prevention strategies, and another that is working on logistics. And we have, uh, when all is said and done, we'll have close to 60 stakeholders across the district uh, who will have participated in those work groups. Those are staff, and we actually have some students as part of those work groups. And the biggest problems that they're trying to solve are the ones that everyone across the country is trying to solve. We're looking at how can we uh, logistically screen every student on campus? Is that even feasible? Uh, frankly, we are not thinking that that's feasible and are looking at some other alternatives to have parents affirm that their children you know, do meet the criteria or don't have the COVID-19 symptoms uh, to come to school because there's a variety of different issues of we could end up creating larger groups of kids than we would want to because yeah. we're trying to screen people as they come in the door. Transportation is, is one of the biggest issues that we're trying to solve in a cost-neutral way uh, because, of course, we could spend another half a million or three quarters of a million dollars. But one of the questions that we're asking ourselves is solving some of the problems in the short term at the expense of the district's long-term financial health, what are those trade-offs? And so we are looking at a, a variety of different options based on what our state will allow on buses. And we actually have uh, two different strategies that we're looking at there. And then and again, just looking at what are the best instructional strategies so Mike, like many schools across the country, we are trying to determine what are those critical core learnings you know, that students really need to have, especially in a school year that could be interrupted. So really trying to prioritize our curriculum. And yeah. finally, just trying to help support our staff you know, who may not be able to return to work due to a disability or some other underlying health condition. And that is a complex uh, piece of this as well. Gosh, just, I mean, so the multiple angles that you're facing, you know, you're right. I mean, it's not like you're the only one, but there's so many people facing those angles. But just the, I love what you're doing, Matt, with looking at, at their scenario plannings, but we know we're going to have to make adjustments. And I've been working, I've been working with, with our partners and people I connect with the leaders. You know, the, the conversation is, it's not if, it's what, when, right? When we make adjustments, what will we do and how do we, how we, will we be prepared for that? So, you know, just really nice job by you and your team to just dig down to that level of, of problem solving and providing that direction. You know, the other thing I know that you all have done is, is and you talked about it when you answered the first question, is using feedback from your employees and parents to plan from, from the fall. So, you know, have you done that or, you know, what did you learn from that, Matt? Yeah, so there's, we've done this in several different ways. Uh, when we left for the school year and when our uh, Department of Education announced the three potential return to school scenarios, 
one of our communications to our families, we offered a suggestion form. And so people could fill out and say, I'd like to make this suggestion for the hybrid model. And we had some very interesting concepts that parents had shared. And some of them, which we were able to look at to incorporate, in fact, the A day, B day schedule, the rotation that I mentioned mm -hmm. is something a lot of people had been thinking about that, but that was a suggestion that had come in from our parents. Uh, we had some that were very creative that we looked at and determined we couldn't do. So we had some suggestions about, could you have students take one, one class at a time? And so they are only with that teacher for a few weeks and then you'd be able to shift to the next class. And we, we just didn't see how we could shift in and out of those three models uh, using that approach. But that's the kind of creative problem solving that our staff and our parents shared through that suggestion form. We didn't get a ton of them, uh, but the ones that we did, we shared with our uh, team leads and they really looked at that and said, okay, how can we use this to you know, seed some ideas and, and potentially create some different kinds of solutions that maybe we wouldn't have thought about on our own. I mentioned our teams. Uh, as I said, we have these three teams working that are ver a variety of different stakeholders throughout the system. So of course there are uh, people with leadership positions on those teams. We also have leaders from a number of our different stakeholder groups, teachers, educational assistants, our nursing staff, uh, custodians, office employees, uh, the people who, who know what a school day normally looks like and really are, are doing a great job of asking, okay, if we did that, but what about, what, what, what do we do when this happens? And that is some of the complexity of this planning is we, we have learned, as our teams have learned, is every question that you answer begets another 10 questions, or if you're lucky, <laughs> only 10 questions. <laughs> That's right. And our students, we, we have a, we believe uh, in elevating student voice. Uh, our district youth council received a, a, an award from the University of Minnesota Humphrey School of a policy and governance uh, about how we elevate student voice. And so we have uh, one high school student on each of these committees and my team leads tell me that they have some of the most amazing feedback and really helps the adults think differently. That's great. Just multiple sources of input. And I know, you know, I know that you have always been very open to that feedback and use that, Matt. So, you know, I know, um, you know, from, from what uh, KK has told us, you know, you have a, a shout out survey question, you know, during distance learning, you know, how did that make a difference in, in your culture at Northfield? Well, one of the things that we've learned with our partnership uh, from student education, which we all know inherently, but when you actually start doing it intentionally, you're like, oh my goodness, why weren't we doing this before? <laughs> we know that what gets recognized gets repeated. And so we, in every survey that we, nearly every survey that we send out, we try to ask some kind of shout out question. We did it a year ago when we experimented with e-learning days, which is when we close school, but try to run it online for a Minnesota winter issue, which uh, we all actually, all the superintendents here are longing for a snow day call after this. That's much less complex. No kidding. Uh, but the, the joy that we have as leaders, we divide them up. So in every survey that we ask, so we surveyed our students, we surveyed our parents multiple times, and we surveyed our staff multiple times. And we asked that shout out question. So who is someone who has been especially good at this that we you think that we should recognize. And I had the chance to share the shout outs for our staff, you know, from the staff survey. And you can just feel how people who have been working so hard that they, they just feel, uh, they feel special and they feel like their work that is valued and is worth it. And what we all know about motivation is when people know that their work 
has meaning and has purpose and is making a difference for others, they will go further than what they thought possible. And so I have had a chance to share shout outs with over a hundred people twice during our distance learning process. Our, our building principals got to do that with the student and the parent surveys. And when you're able to say to someone, I, I had a math teacher who I was able to say to, you know, you were recognized by six different staff members. We had an assistant principal who was recognized by more than 20 people wow. in the survey. And when you say to those folks, and now the, the flaw of the shout out question in the survey is people don't often give you the specific information. We'd prefer to reinforce what people have done. But when you hear that number, um, people really value that. And I think it helps them set themselves up to go to the next level when we have to do something else that is hard. It has taken such root in our culture in Northfield that our staff are shouting each other out without prompting. I just got a, a message from a staff member the other day who was shouting out one of our kindergarten teachers who over the summer set up Zoom meetings with her previous kindergarten class oh, how great. simply because she wanted to check in on them. So when you get that moving, I think the shout out is a rocket fuel for culture. Yeah. And gosh, so needed right now, Matt, you know, so, so needed with um, all of the uncertainties that face us. So really, really neat stories here. Love that. Love the, love the connection of the kindergarten teacher with her students. How, how great. Let's turn a little bit our attention to parents. I know you've been very connected to parents and you're doing some, some parent work. I think I'll start with this question, Matt, you know, real quickly just highlighted, you know, what, what types of struggles are you hearing from parents? You know, as you're, as, what are the, they facing? What are they talking about? Well, I, I think they're facing a variety of different things. And of course, we are all thinking right now because of the reentry planning, you know, we are thinking about the challenges that COVID-19 has presented for families. So uh, in terms of especially teenagers who are so social, uh, being limited in that face-to-face -face contact with their friends, uh, again, younger children who really thrive on, on being with others, really that social, social isolation is something that we're hearing from families. We're also hearing from families fear and fear that while uh, scientists are telling us that especially younger children maybe aren't transmitting the disease as often as others, uh, we still know there's a lot of asymptomatic uh, children. We know that the older that you get, teenagers are really transmitting this very similar to adults. You know, so there's fear about students bringing something home, you know, a parent who might have an underlying health condition there is the fear about their own children getting sick. And so there's fear all the way around. There's fear of kids missing out on some of these really critical um, cultural kinds of things in our country that go along with public school. And then just that fear of the health kinds of issues. And then we of course can't um, come back to school without trying to help process the trauma that people have around the murder of George Floyd. And especially here, 40 miles south of Minneapolis, about how that has dramatically uh, impacted not only our state, but of course the nation and the world. And so making sure that that anti-racist work that we are so committed to doesn't get lost in the COVID-19 planning is something that's really important to us. So we know that you know, families are working through a number of things. We know that uh, we're hearing that um, food insecurity is, of course, becoming a bigger, bigger, uh, bigger and larger issue across the country. We know that unemployment benefits are starting to run out. And so families have a tremendous amount of pressure on them. And it's really coming at a number of different angles. I just sent a message to our families the other day that said, when our governor makes the decision about how we're going to come back to school, we know that some of you are going to agree with that decision and some of you aren't. 
that is the reality and we will continue to move forward in the best way that we can. But we have to acknowledge that uh, the decision is going to impact many of you differently. So there's a lot of uncertainty. I think there's a lot of becoming financial pressure. There's fear of uh, their students and their health. And then of course, there's the, des the desire to get back to normal. Yeah. And those things are all coming together in a way that is, I think is very difficult for people. And I have so much respect for you as a leader, uh, just from the time that I connected with you at our What's Right in Education conference and saw your presentation, you know, I knew how great of a leader you are, Matt, and, and uh, probably you're doing as good a job as anybody across the country and working through the situation that we have. So, you know, with that, um, you know, leave us today with some advice for leaders, some advice for your colleagues and how do we manage through this and what do we do? Well, and I, I, I'm going to take it down the road of communication, Janet. And first of all, thank you very much. You're, you're far too kind. Uh, I've learned a lot from KK and from Ted Kersher and from you and from uh, Quint and all the folks at Studer Education. It's been a great partnership. When I think about the communication, which I think is the core of what we do, we have to have trust uh, with our stakeholders. And if, as leaders, if we have trust with our stakeholders, we are able to work together in a way to solve problems. And so I think that one of the keys has been our communication, that communication that's clear, it's concise, and it's timely. Uh, trying to anticipate the communication that people are going to want. So we are anticipating when the governor makes the call next week, what are we gonna be able to tell people to, regardless of what the decision is? And then I, I think the other thing that has really helped us uh, try to navigate this is if you're familiar with the Stockdale paradox, uh, we really, I believe that that's a great tool to use in these circumstances. And so we believe in facing the brutal facts, acknowledging, just like I said before, you know, about, we know some of you are going to be happy with the decision. Some of you aren't going to be happy with the decision, but then not leading toward despair, but trending toward optimism, um, telling people what we know, telling people what we don't know, what we are planning to do, and activating others. We ended nearly every communication with a humble request, asking for people's cooperation, for their patience. And we actually asked for their grace and forgiveness multiple times. And we are entering these unchartered territory. No one has done this before. And so we share with people our dedication to continuous improvement. We tell them that we're gonna get some things right. We're gonna get other things wrong. When we get something wrong, we're going to take your feedback and we're going to do what we can to make it better. Those communications were really important to archive so that we have a one-stop shop for people to look at the history. We sent our first communication about COVID-19 on February 29th, believe it or not. Oh, gosh. It's like two lifetimes ago. Oh, it does. And then using a variety of modalities, making sure you're providing it written. We, I have a, a semi-monthly radio show that we then post to our website that reinforces what we've written. And then we've done a number of webinars with our staff. And we did some things like the superintendent's story time uh, for elementary kids where I read kids a book and, and then gave parents some updates. Uh, we had a local health and wellness coach uh, provide some things for parents. And so I think anything that you can do to be clear, concise, timely, and then offer in a variety of modalities uh, are, I think, the core of how we have been successful and I'm putting successful in quotation marks and uh, trying to get through this very difficult time. And then not wasting what we've learned and using that for when we get back to whatever normal looks like after this abnormal time.
What a great um, way of describing just effective and good communication. I think that's what we hear. You know, people are really needing help with how do we make sure we communicate effectively, build alignment of that communication, make sure we're reaching out in particular ways. I think, you know, I, I do um, with the coaching that I do mainly with our higher education partners. I've spent the last two days, presidents in higher education. And, you know, it's such an awesome responsibility of what you all as leaders have on you. Um, I have such great respect for you managing through that and all of our leaders trying to manage through it in a particular way. But I tell you, as I'm talking to you, you're very comforting. I mean, I, you know, I, I think about if I'm a parent in your district, you know, just your way and your easy way makes me have great hope and optimism. So don't underestimate the difference that that makes and just appreciate you and appreciate what your district is doing to provide a service to our families and students. Thank you for being with us, Matt. Yeah, it's our pleasure. When you've got a great team who does the work, I can just do the talking and that works out well for me. Yeah, that sounds good. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Janet. Matt talked about building trust with others, employees, students, their families, our communities. Here's what I take from Matt today that will make me a better leader. I love when he said, that he tries to anticipate the kind of communication people want. I also know that Matt provides clear, concise communication in a timely way. And what he talked about is doing that in many different modalities, multiple messages over time and very clear and concise. And here's what I'd like to end with today that he said that I think we all can learn from. (laughs) When we've gotten it wrong, Let's ask for grace and forgiveness. Thank you, Matt, for the lessons that you taught us today. To engage in conversations with leaders like Matt, join us at our weekly roundtables. To learn more about our upcoming virtual events, webinars, and opportunities to connect, please visit us at studereducation.com slash events. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.